coming up on podcast 1902. EV price parity could be sooner than people think. Fixing bad chargers in America and batteries boosting the grid. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer. That'll be you, Andrew. Now, Andrew Wanak joined uh, a few weeks ago, actually, so sorry for getting around to saying your name a couple of weeks later than when you signed up. Andrew, thank you so much for being an exec producer of the show. You get your name in the show notes. Check out the show notes at evnewsdaily.com. We have a website, which I don't... I mean, I see people use it. It has hits. I see people clicking on the short links that I provide, so someone's going on there. Uh, but you can check out evnewsdaily.com if you'd like the written version of this podcast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world, EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for the end of the working week, Friday, 15th of September. My name's Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. We go live at 5 p.m. UK, midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free, and you can be just like them by clicking on a link in the show notes just there. Go on, just click on it, just, just there. Right, we'll start with some news. A follow-up on yesterday, I was perhaps harsh on VinFast. I don't think I was, by the way, saying they weren't worth $200 billion after their recent flotation in a million years after shipping 138 cars. And I said, but I will check the numbers. I will check the numbers for the sake of accuracy. And I have done. VinFast is gaining momentum in the EV arena with their imported VF8. They registered another 19 cars in July. And that total is not 138 now. It's now 170 because I had the numbers up to May and now up to July. So there you go. It's an EV company worth 200 billion selling 170 cars so far this year in America. Obviously, because I don't know. Uh, they <laughs> uh, they still say that they want to build their own battery factory in the US and roll out three more models by 2025. I hope those first 170 customers are happy. Let's talk a little bit about Volkswagen, who make slightly more, uh, but according to the stock market, are worth less. I don't understand. Volkswagen revealed their decision to just trim some of the workforce at their EV plant in eastern Germany in Zwickau, attributing the move to the current marketplace. Over the past few years, they've onboarded more than 3,000 employees to make EVs at that facility. However, some of those were temporary contracts. Uh, 269 approached their expiration. They're not going to be renewed. And the company has converted 540 of them from temporary contracts into permanent roles. So a bit of a trimming going on just because, as I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, we're in this wonderful position where the car companies finally caught up. The battery supplies finally caught up with the demand. Supply now is there and you don't have to wait a year to get an EV. And if you're new to EV world, it's so great that you're interested in electric vehicles, in plug-ins, in this future of sustainable transport. Uh, but for long-time listeners of the podcast, you know, you go back not so long ago, and we were talking about 9, 12, 15-month waiting lists to get an electric vehicle. Boy, am I pleased those days are gone. It's great for the consumer. It's great for you and I. Despite the suboptimal we'll call that, that uh, utilisation of Zwickau. VW say they're undeterred, though. They're going to move ahead with expansion plans by the end of this year. Brussels will join the roster of those making the Audi Q4 e-tron, supplementing the Zwickau plant. The ID3's production journey will commence this autumn in Wolfsburg. Albeit in limited batches initially, the parts will be coming in from Saxony. A full throttle production of the ID3, though, in Wolfsburg is on the horizon for next year. 
Meanwhile, that original Svikau plant, uh, it's been making the ID3, 4, 5, the Audi Q4 e-tron, the Q4 Sportback, and the Cupra Born. That still hasn't hit its full stride, and it is still operating below its full potential. So they've got some room to expand there. Next story, fantastic news coming from the US overnight. In a groundbreaking month for the EV sector, July, looking at the July numbers, now these aren't official because some of the car makers don't report their monthly numbers, but pulling together all the data points that we have, we think we saw the unprecedented 100,000 mark hit for the first time. So the first seven months of the year, something like 655,986 full EVs sold, a 67% increase on the same month or same period, first seven months of 2022. It pushes the BEV, the battery electric vehicle, pure EV market share from a 4.9 for those seven months last year to a 7.2 share of new vehicles sold in the United States for the first seven months of the year. Now, registration data does lag actual sales by a few weeks, it's the best indicator we have, though, in the absence of regularly publicised monthly, official monthly sales figures like we get here in the UK. Now, globally, the US does trail Europe and China. It's about 15% of the world's BEV sales. And obviously, the US doesn't have access to so many of the different models that we get and China gets as well. So looking forward to expanding just the choice, hopefully, over the next few months and years as well. Oh, definitely. And what does that mean for the rolling 12 months? Well, it's likely, although it's not official, it's likely the, the United States now has 1 million pure EVs sold. If you look at the rolling year, now that we know that new EV sales are 7.2% of the market and EV sales breezing past the total 3 million mark, looking at the June numbers, it was on a rolling year 977,000. So actually, if you have the July numbers, take off June from last year and do the new rolling year, July to July, it's going to be over a million. Now, that's not getting official, but I think that's such a an interesting benchmark to hit. It's it, it won't go down well with the naysayers, those that don't think EVs are happening. You and I know they're happening at an increasing pace as well. The first million EVs in the US took a decade to sell. The next million took just over a year, I think it was. Uh, like The momentum is undeniable. Uh, the US is on track to notch up its fourth million EV. If you factor in plug-in hybrids, by the way, the US has long hit the million mark. It's about 1.3 million, uh, I think, a year. About a million every nine months, uh, if you include the plug-in hybrids as well. But for pure EVs, I think we're at the million a year on the rolling year now in the US. It's, I know it's, it, it kind of means nothing, but it means everything. It's a psychological, it's one of those round numbers that we like to talk about. Hey, congratulations to the team at Volvo kicking off production of three electric, fully electric trucks, the FH, FM and FMX at their Ghent facility. They are the 44-ton trucks and uh, it's Volvo's largest production facility. 45,000 trucks are made there every year. Volvo's a massive truck maker, uh, but they are going to make the EV models alongside the diesel counterparts and it's not only about scaling, but about being agile and just moving that over. So as more people buy the EV trucks, they can just move that production line over. They say it's the best way to do it rather than a dedicated truck line at the moment. Their dedicated EV uh, battery plant is right next door in Ghent. And so it's actually the fourth Volvo factory making EV Volvo trucks. And the market's response 
has been overwhelming. Volvo's secured orders for about 6,000 pure EV trucks in 42 countries, which is just brilliant news. Volvo's doing big, big things in, in EV trucking. And as I often say, the Tesla semi-truck takes up all of the oxygen in the room, or rather the mainstream press only talk about that vehicle, which is only really out there in limited numbers. But hey, you and I know differently this move to EV to clean green transport is happening at a rip. If you just look a little bit behind the curtain, but that's what this podcast is all about. Now, uh, following up yesterday, I mentioned that the European Union uh, news was coming in as we were recording to EV News Daily headquarters about an official EU Commission investigation into Chinese subsidies. So, got some Chinese reaction to that I can bring you today. China, you won't be surprised to hear, has sharply criticised the European Union for what they call, and I quote, naked protectionist behavior. Now I don't think the I don't think that accusation of saying that this is a protectionist move is quite the insult that the Chinese think it is, well, at least not to me, because it's clearly protectionist. In the United States, the Inflation Reduction Act, the uh, ability to have subsidies only on EVs made in America, batteries sourced with America, that's clearly protectionist. I don't know. I think they were accusing Europe of that, and the EU were like, yeah, it's blatantly protectionist, because you're doing the same thing. Either way, that was what the Chinese PR machine put out there yesterday. The EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen uh, said that she will investigate the Chinese state subsidies in a State of the Union address. It skews the market, she says. It disadvantages the EU, particularly the German and French car makers as well. It's been months of lobbying from France and it could lead to new tariffs on Chinese imports, which, if you think about it, is BYD, it's Xpeng, it's Neo, but it's Tesla as well. Because even though Tesla have their German plant and they're ready to scale that, and hey, they're so well equipped to fight this in the future. But if Chinese subsidies do come in, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 20% on the price of a car that we have to pay on a Chinese car, that also includes Teslas. So they will want to ramp Berlin as soon as possible to stop exporting from Shanghai to Europe. But Tesla won't want that because Shanghai is their main export hub and they've got capacity there as well. And so they don't want to completely put an, you know, shut the door, lock, bolt it shut to exporting anything from Shanghai to Europe. Tesla will not want that at all. They want the flexibility for European cars to come either from Berlin or Shanghai. They need Shanghai to export because it's so big. They need those numbers. If you cut Europe out and you supply, you know, Japan and Australia and like Asian countries, it does not that num the numbers do not work for Tesla. It will be a disaster for Tesla. So there'll be plenty that don't want these subsidies to come in. And that's on top of the Brexit subsidy that happens on the 1st of January, whereas anything made in the UK or made in the EU and traded between the UK and EU, now we're no longer part, will add another 10% on top of the purchase price. Not good for consumers. This is not good. I'm going to watch this story for you because this one is a developing story and we need to follow it. So, I had a few listeners yesterday reach out to me and ask for some background on that. I was talking about how the, the Chinese protectionism thing, how what it costs, you know, you and I could end up paying more for cars. People said, can you explain it just a little bit more? I had a couple of listeners reach out looking for background. Uh, sure, I'll happily do that. I'm no economist. Stick around. That is on the way. Hey, if you'd like to strip out ads from the podcast, maybe you didn't hear any ads. But if you did hear an ad or two, because you're listening to the free version, you can strip those out, get your own personal RSS feed that you copy and paste into your 
podcast app on your phone, your device, whatever. Uh, you can sign up to be a Patreon supporter. It's how we put the podcast on the air. It's how I earn a living, by the way. Uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash evnewsdaily. If you get any value from this podcast, if it saves you time having to look through websites and RSS feeds like I do all day, uh, and maybe you work in the industry as well, and this is a valuable resource to you. I'd appreciate you thinking about that. So let's talk about some background then. So China saying it's protectionist for us to put tariffs on Chinese cars coming in from China. Well, actually, if you look at what China does for their own EV industry, I, I won't spend too long on this, but I'll try and explain it how I understand it. Again, I'm no economist. China's EV sector is really robust and has seen an influx of governmental aid, a trend which prompts tariffs on car exports, not only from local automakers, but like I say, Tesla as well, if they come in. One major perk for EV buyers in China is the exemption from the vehicle purchase tax. From 2016, the central government has pumped $57 billion worth into EV purchasing by waiving the purchase tax. That's five times what the US has even spent on electric vehicles and subsidies, etc. Not factoring in all of the Chinese provincial and local incentives. Many EV producers are tagged as high-tech firms, and they enjoy a very favourable corporate tax rate, much lower than the regular 25%. On the production front, China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology rewards EV makers based on their output. By the close of last year, about 5.4 billion US dollars was given to car makers to stimulate the production, BYD and Tesla were the top beneficiaries. Uh, to further bolster the sector, various governmental tiers have extended affordable loans, land, grants as well to EV firms. Local governments fund R&D initiatives targeting technologies that are pivotal to the future and the creation of new energy vehicles and core components there. So the government's bulk buying of locally produced Chinese EVs also has been a steady financial flow into the Chinese EV makers. You want to talk about protectionism. And I don't think it's a dirty word, by the way. It's a fact of life. Uh, I think they're trying to shame people with that word. That's Chinese protectionism right there in like four or five examples. Anyway, moving on. Hopefully that was useful. If it was useful, let me know. Uh, Again, I'm no expert. It's how I see it. Let's talk a little bit about how the United States wants to fix bad chargers, the reliability of EV chargers. The Biden administration has set aside another $100 million aimed squarely at refurbing and replacing non-operational public EV chargers, the EV Charger Reliability and Accessibility Accelerator. (laughs) Application process. That's catchy. Is now open for submission. The US DOT says that they project the allocated budget will cover all of the eligible projects to get any of those broken charges back working again. Uh, Publicly and privately owned charging stations can apply. So anyone that's put a charger in the ground, a private company, they should have done better. They're now being bailed out. Think about what you will, uh, providing they offer unrestricted access to the general public. That's the deal on getting the money to fix them. My goodness me, they need to be fixed. Moving on, and NEO is teaming up with S-Volt to pioneer big cylindrical cells. NEO setting its sights on pilot production lines. S-Volt, which was branched out from Great Wall Motor, is a battery manufacturing powerhouse with global ambitions working with NEO to make those 46XX dimension cells. According to a new study, uh, the continuously dropping battery prices are paving the way for EVs to be two-thirds of all 
car sales, global car sales by 2030. Currently, batteries are about 40% of an EV cost. However, automakers are innovating with new chemistries, materials, and better software to make them work as well. The RMI Research revealed that oil demand for cars peaked in 2019 and is declining by at least a million barrels daily uh, from 2030. But what about that anticipated price parity with fossil-driven cars? Europe, they say, is currently on for price parity to buy a new EV at some point 2024 which is huge, because EVs still are more expensive to buy here, sometimes significantly. But the RMI research says 2024. China, 25, US, 26, and India, 2027. There are some lease cases, by the way, I've seen. The EV has been cheaper than the petrol car. Peugeot E208 is one that springs to mind, but that's not common. But it happens already in some cases. Let's go to Texas, where the Italian company Enel is escalating their energy uh, infrastructure. And the demands from extreme heat and population growth is hitting Texas harder than most. Enel has powered up the state's grid this summer, integrating another 369 megawatts or 555 megawatt hours of utility storage capacity with lithium-ion batteries. Uh, five advanced battery systems have come online and gearing up for more as well. And Enel's commitment to Texas goes even further with more renewable installations and demand response management to keep the grid online. That's great how batteries can help with that. Now, the British EV startup Arc is putting their quadricycle on the market. Now you can order the Arc Zero. Costs £6,000. They say it's the UK's most budget-friendly car. But it's not a car. It's a quadricycle. Uh, They've sold the first 200 already. It weighs 489 kilograms. And it's a compact two-seater. You sit in front and behind, uh, a bit like a twizzy, not next to each other. does 28 miles an hour. It'll do 50 miles on a charge. It's shorter but taller than a Citroën Ami. And it fits two adults and even a pet dog, they say. Three-horsepower motor will not set any speed records. But they say that the zero aligns with what younger urban buyers say they want, which is not a 30, 40, 50,000 pound car to get around, but their own personal transport just to go around cities. I love a good quadricycle, uh, but they're not cars. Uh, they say that it's made in a way that is very safe uh, using construction techniques, which will absorb an impact. But these are very small vehicles. I wouldn't want to use them anywhere that there was too much of a risk of an impact. But Low speeds around cities, these vehicles are so cool. And finally, French battery maker Vercor announced a 2 billion euro, that's a 2.15 billion dollar fund accumulation for their new upcoming battery factory in Dunkirk. It sees a record-breaking capital increase from their investors, which include Renault and the European Investment Bank pitching in with loans as well. It'll begin operations in 2025 with 1,200 jobs created and 16 gigawatt hours of annual production, 12 of those earmarked to their investor Renault. So new batteries made for Renault and a new factory coming online in 2025. These stories are everywhere at the minute, and I love them. They're so cool. That's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley at Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and lease plan electric moments. All the tools 
and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as self-charging hybrid. <laughs> <laughs>